coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. We preview this weekend's USAFL Nationals and AFL Europe's night aside Euro Cup being held in Cork Island. That's all coming up over the next 100 minutes. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. This podcast is available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and also airs as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne. An international flavour to today's show as we have a look at the USAFL National Championships being played this Saturday and Sunday and the AFL Europe Night Aside Euro Cup being held this Saturday. There's also another international tournament on, that is the AFL Asia Asian Championships being held in Kuala Lumpur this Saturday, 13th of October. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get round to interviewing members of those sides, but we can tell you the four women's teams taking part in that tournament include Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam and Hong Kong. Uh, those games are being broadcast into Asia via the iFlix streaming channel, and we hope that uh, there'll be highlights on YouTube or other social media channels throughout the week. But best of luck to those four teams taking part in the Asian Championships in Kuala Lumpur this weekend. Let's focus in on the two tournaments that we're featuring. We begin with Racine, Wisconsin, Saturday, October 13th, Sunday, October 14th. Division 1 has six teams. Division 2 has five teams made up of a combination of various different clubs, which we'll go into detail uh, very soon. But we're going to look at Division 1 first of all. We're going to start with the reigning champions, the San Francisco Iron Maidens. In fact, it's our privilege to have on the line a woman who won the grand final MVP for the Iron Maidens against the Denver Lady Bulldogs last year. Her name is Elise Gallagher. Elise, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Peter? Not too bad at all. I just need to hit you straight between the eyes with this question. How does it feel at the moment as you go into the Nationals being introduced as the back-to-back USAFL National Champions? Uh, It feels pretty good. Um, We work hard for it, but it's never easy. It's a tough competition every year, and and we take each game as it goes. So we'll see this year and hope that we can bring home another trophy. Can you give us a bit of an insight to what has changed for the Iron Maidens in the last 12 months? Because we knew uh, after you won your uh, second title uh, in San Diego, California, I think Tara Salmon had moved back to Melbourne and I think one or two other players were moving on as well. Yeah, so we, we have a few maidens that um, we call displaced maidens because they're either in school in certain places or had to move for work, but they always come back for games. And so, but sometimes training as a team can be a little difficult, but so that's a little different this year and we'll see how it goes. And hopefully we can still have the same chemistry that we have had other years. Uh, With losing those players, what has recruitment been like for the Iron Maidens this year to try and replenish those numbers? We're only bringing, I think, two new players to nationals this year so we still have a very uh, like a veteran team um which i think will help us but yeah recruitment is difficult 
Let's have a look at um, how the form line's been heading into the uh, Nationals. And for the Western Regional titles, um, a 2-1 and one record um, in those okay. games. You managed to handle Seattle comfortably. You, of course, will have Seattle in your pool this year. Um, you yeah. uh, managed to uh, defeat uh, Sacramento by about three goals. Unfortunately, you lost to the Portland combination by three points. Yeah. Um, we missed a lot of uh, goals. We had a few behinds that would have been key if we made the goals. And so we've been working on goal kicking and working on um, just working as a team still. So that's our, our main, like, I guess, benefit for the Maidens that we think we do really well is that we work well together and hopefully we can keep that up. Is it kind of uh, maybe a, a good omen for you? Because I think in the past couple of years, you've lost the Western Regionals, but turned it around come October at the Nationals. Yeah. Yes, that's a joke that we have with our team, and hopefully it can keep up. But, yeah, it was unfortunate to lose that game at Westerns, and but we train harder when we when we get put down, so... And how's the form line been in the other games? If I'm correct, I think you took on Sacramento in a game. I think you may have taken on Denver. And just recently, you had the uh, East-West battle with New York. Mm-hmm. So we went out to Denver in June, and um, that was a good, tough game. And we ended up winning that. I think we actually recently lost to like a combination of Sacramento, Arizona. There were a few teams that came out to the Bay. And... Um, yeah, I mean, so it it's anyone's anyone's game. Whoever's feeling it that day, and hopefully we come out strong this weekend and can pull through. Are we looking for good form from all the usual suspects? I speak of the Jessica Estradas, the Courtney Sherman Johnsons, the Robin Leslies, yourself, the Bevan Englishes of the side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're also looking forward to Lyra and. I, Schmidt and her mar- or new name, but Lyra, who's our fullback, and we have Caitlin Lutz, who will be in our defensive line that we're looking forward to. They've both been working hard all year, and they've been at the previous Nationals, but I think this year will be really awesome and exciting to watch. Am, am I correct in saying that Brett Brower is back? Yeah, she'll be playing. She'll be in our forward line. Which is fantastic news because, uh, obviously, uh, as a whole footy community, we were worried for her um, when she had that neck injury uh, uh, last year at the IC17 in Melbourne. Yeah, correct. And she took some time off and definitely rested and healed and didn't think that she was going to come back. She thought she was going to be done, but she's been feeling good. And she came out to play with us in Denver and in New York. And so she's played a few games and is feeling all right. Let's have a look at what's happening there in uh, Pool A that uh, you'll be playing. Of course, the top two go through to the semi-final. Um, you're actually starting with the late game at 2 p.m. and then a game at 5 p.m. You're taking mm-hmm. on uh, the New York Magpies, as we said. You only played just recently in the East-West battle, and you're also taking on the Seattle Grizzlies, a side that you played last year and defeated quite handsomely. Yeah, we'll play Seattle first, and we played them first uh, last year too, but and they're tough they hit hard and so we um 
look forward to playing them and we know more of the team from the freedom camp and so it's fun to go against them and train with them sometimes um and then we'll have new york afterwards and we feel excited my sister's on that on that team so it's always fun to play them and uh, we'll be chatting to her later on as well in this program. <laughs> so stay tuned for a bit of sibling rivalry. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, for yourself personally coming into this Nationals, do you feel any pressure at all? Because, I mean, you were honoured personally uh, as the MVP for the grand final last year in the win over Denver. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I know a lot of the team looks up to me for certain things but I also look up to them and so we all have each other's back and I would love for any of my teammates to be honored and I hope that they look up to me and help me out and I'm just excited to go it's it's always a very fun weekend and hard weekend and of course coming from sunny San Francisco what do you think about the coolish weather conditions that you'll be playing in racing compared to the stinking hot weather that you had uh, when you won your titles right yeah it's going to be tough and it'll be we talked about it actually tonight about if it's raining and how we'll try to play together and we'll just have to run in more numbers and might not be able to be as smooth because just of wet conditions we'll be difficult but um we'll just like I said I mean we'll just have to have each other's back and sometimes we have cold windy days in San Francisco so hopefully those trainings will come in handy this weekend well Elise thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival and we wish you and the Iron Maidens all the very best this weekend in racing Thank Wisconsin you. As you heard with that interview with Elise, her sister is playing for a team on the opposite coast, the east coast of the United States, the New York Magpies. Her name is Danielle Gallagher, and she joins us on the line now. Danielle, thanks for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. As we always ask Americans this question, how did you discover Aussie Rules Football? Um, I first found it in 2015 after playing on an NYC social league. Um, it was one of those co-ed football leagues, and I ended up finding it very misogynistic and frustrating. <laughs> so I um, ended up looking for some women's teams in New York and actually found the New York Magpies, and they were very warm and welcoming and taught me fell in love with it. Well... I need to ask a question first of all because the Gallagher surname, very famous because we just spoke to last year's grand final MVP, Elise Gallagher, who I believe is your <laughs> sister. So who found Aussie Rules first, you or Elise? I did. <laughs> so um, she's following in your footsteps. <laughs> she is. She is. She is uh, excelling very well, though. <laughs> Uh, it's great to hear. Now, let, let's talk about um, the New York Magpies over the last few seasons. Uh, we know 2016 was a tough tournament where you didn't get a win, but you, you had a lot of new rookies in your side. It seemed that you got some forward momentum last year when you managed to beat Sacramento in the Nationals. How's that momentum been going throughout 2018? Really well. We, um, we've been taking 
a lot from last tournament and really focusing it in on the season and really working on our motto and restructuring our system where we have actually come up with a new tagline. Um, it's Jupe, J-O-U-P, which stands for Joy, Openness, Unity, and Pride. So throughout the season at practices and tournaments, we've all just been trying to exemplify what that means for us. Throughout 2018, you've been playing in the Eastern Australian Football League. You've been playing against, uh, against and with sides from Philadelphia, uh, Boston, uh, Columbus, for example. A, how valuable have those games been? But at the same time, how tricky is it to try and build that Magpies cohesion when obviously you've got players coming in and out from other sides to help make up numbers? Sure. Um, I think it definitely... It, it, I don't know if it doesn't matter isn't the right word, but what it, I think what this league and what the women's league really is about is camaraderie and building the game. So when women come in from all over the state we've had players from also Arizona come out from California um it's nice that we can all just jump in and play together and just really build on skills and um work on growing that game uh central regional tournament came second in that so a good head out perhaps made a little disappointed that you didn't get the flag but how did you feel like the side was starting to come together after that uh, tournament back in uh, June <laughs> It looks like we were all um, we were we were all just like really trying to get around each other. Um, it wasn't going the way that we obviously uh, wanted it to, but what really came out is just supporting each other and getting around each other on the pitch. And we talk about uh, replenishing the side with a lot of new players because, um, you know, the likes of Drake Casillas being great servants, but uh, as we know, not everyone <laughs> can not everyone can go on forever, even though I think Drake could probably go on for another 20 years. Um, not yeah, everyone, yeah, I think so. Not, not, not everyone can go on forever. Sooner or later, our body finally says, time to take a break. So uh, have you had many new rookies this year, and what's their quality been like? Yeah, we've actually had... Um a lot of rookies come out this year. We 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 were on a new field in Brooklyn Bridge Park, and it was kind of an ideal area. So we've had quite a few people come through. We're really excited about our rookies this year. We have um, a few throughout the forward and mid lines that we're excited for. Um, we have Crystal Dolan in the front line. Um, she is going to be our full. Board. Uh, we have Kylie Johnson, who's new, who also has a uh, sister rivalry this year. So her sister is out in Seattle. So that should be fun to see as well. How crazy is that? Let's just skip ahead to that for a moment, because in your pool, San Francisco and the Seattle Grizzlies will be the first time that New York will actually play Seattle. A, what are you rated the opposition, and how corny is that, that you've got the sister rivalries <laughs> happening with the two sides in your pool? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's pretty funny, and it actually, it, I think it helps. It um, fuels the fire a little bit, but it keeps it very fun, and we, I love playing San Francisco, always have. Um, I get to see my sister, so it's so fun. And I think Kylie will feel the same way. So, And as far as Seattle, their new competition, um, 
likewise for us for them. So I think it should just be a good, competitive, fun game. You actually had a hit out against uh, Seattle as part of the uh, East-West showdown just recently. Uh, How do you rate your side's performance in that game? In sorry, which game? Uh, uh, in the East-West showdown that uh, you had recently, with San Francisco came across to New York. Yes, um, that game went, uh, that uh, the turnout again wasn't maybe how we thought it would be, but it was a it was good, clean, competitive game, and we love playing San Francisco. Um, they're very nice to play with and to learn from. How's the inspiration been for the side this year? Not only, as you said, playing in that Brooklyn Bridge Park, you know, with that great New York City skyline, but because of that, that's kind of uh, brought along a few AFLW players. I mentioned <laughs> Talia Raiden. I mentioned uh, Jessica Wuchner. And uh, recently, uh, Darcy Vessio. You also had, I believe, uh, Sarah Perkins and Valerie Moreau both come down to have a run with you. Yeah, they were there just last night, so... Yeah, we definitely have um, gotten a few celebs come through, which has been very helpful, and um, they've all been really useful in our practices and just showing us what elite athleticism is. We talk about the athleticism. How much have you seen the game change in the last three years, particularly with the, um, at least here in Australia, obviously with the view to go to semi-professionalism and try and get that contract. How's that inspired what's been happening in New York and the amount of time and commitment yourself and the team put into training to better yourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely elevated. It's it's a pretty long season for us here. We start in about March and going to October. So to keep that going for that long, it can be a challenge. But we definitely interloop throughout the season, different um, trainings, not just our official trainings, but just pickups in different parks, going for runs, workouts, um, and then just also just trying to have some fun with different events. Looking ahead to this weekend with the weather forecast, it suggests I think it's going to be cool but sunny um, on the Saturday, and I think they're predicting showers on the Sunday. How do you think that favours your side compared to, say, some of the West Coast teams like uh, San Francisco, for example, who would have enjoyed the last couple of years in Sarasota and San Diego playing in nice sunny conditions, now having to play in the cold and the wet of racing Wisconsin? I think it definitely will affect everybody a little different, especially when that when that footy gets wet, it's a whole different game. Um, but I do think we have a slight advantage. I mean, it was raining at our practice last night, and we are accustomed to the cold for sure. So I think I think it will be a strain on everybody, but everybody should be able to step up to the plate. Well, Danielle, thanks very much again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carter. We wish you all the very best in not just the tournament, but in your rivalry against the against your sister, Elise, this weekend <laughs> as part of the USAFL Nationals. No problem. Thanks so much. So New York and San Francisco are two of the three teams that make up Women's Division 1 Pool A. The third and final team in that group is the Seattle Grizzlies, and it's our privilege to have on the line from the Grizzlies, Alison Leonard. Alison, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Uh, how did you get involved first with Aussie Rules Football? So, um, I mean, growing up as an American, I played soccer for my whole life. 
Um, and I found footy actually first through Gaelic football. Um, my family is Irish heritage, and uh, after I graduated from college, we were over there visiting and was just really captivated by this weird sport we saw everywhere on TV that people were really into. And I kind of filed it in the back of my brain, and a couple months later, after I had a job and starting to wonder what I was going to do with all this free time and thinking back to the things that I missed doing, and I really missed playing sports and having that um, camaraderie of the team. And so I found first the uh, local Gaelic football club, the Seattle Gales, and um, through that um, I met Valerie, um, who had just moved up from Phoenix and was out uh, looking to poach people to form a Grizzlies women's team. Um, so that was in March of 2016, and uh, we've been going since then. Now, as much as you didn't appear in last year's Nationals as you were recovering from an ACL tear, you actually played in the first, I guess you'd say, Grizzlies representation at the Nationals when you teamed up with Portland in D2 back in Florida. Yeah, so that was us, Portland, um, Arizona, and uh, some girls from Tampa. A super fun team that was like a really welcoming group, and we really clicked together. Um, and you could tell we, I think, um, won all our games in D2 and um, claimed the D2 title, which was a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, three of us came from Seattle, um, and that was a really special experience. Let's just focus on that for a moment. The team started in March 2016. Uh, seven or eight months later, three women go to Florida. Twelve months later... 21 women go and make their debut in Division One the next year at San Diego, California. What do you put that down to, that huge jump in numbers during the year 2017? I Honestly, I couldn't believe it. Um, I think it says a lot about, um, I mean, we've got some really great recruiters in our club. Uh, I think it says a lot to the strength of our club as a whole and um, the support we get from our men's side. We really prioritize having a great relationship with them. Their support has meant the world to us as a team. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a lot of things just coming together and people being excited about picking up the sport. And uh, lucky for us, San Diego is a pretty uh, short trip, so it's easy to get people to come uh, when Nationals is on our coast. But, um it was unbelievable and uh, really sad that I wasn't able to play on that team. As you said, I had torn my ACL in April and uh, wasn't ready to come back yet. But, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing performance, despite just the one win. You knocked off a very good side in Montreal. They ran Minnesota close, uh, went down to the eventual champions in San Francisco. So since that time when you had the 21 players what has the recruiting been like in 2018 to try and add even more players to this squad well we're still pushing hard um unfortunately we've had a handful of players um move out of the city move on with other things and so we lost a core of that um those 21 in uh last year so we're definitely had to keep up our recruiting to build back from that and i think it's a reminder is that we're still just such a young team um we're still working on building that core that's going to be with us for a long time. So uh, we're not done growing yet. Let's have a look at Seattle's form for 2018. Now, first of all, of course, you've been playing um, the Vancouver Vixens in a regular number of games in the British Columbia AFL. 
Yeah, that's a really great experience for us. Um, our men's team are part of the BCAFL, and they play about five different teams up there, uh, which gets them a lot of games. Uh, we have a really strong relationship with the Vancouver Vixens. Um, they really helped support us when we were forming. Before we had a full team, they'd invite us up to uh, play in metros with them, which really helped us get off on the right foot. So we owe a lot of our success um, building a club to them for giving us regular games. And also in that, you had uh, the Western Regional Tournament. You're throwing the Stumptown Throwdown. Let's first of all look at the Western Regionals. And it wasn't the ideal, um, I guess, start to the year for the Seattle Grizzlies um, coming out of that with a 0-3 and three performance. Yeah, I think that caught us off guard a little bit. Um, we've gotten a lot of games so far, um, but mostly playing the same opponents. And um, I think that we weren't quite ready for what the rest of the region had to offer. Obviously, we know some of these teams reasonably well, and we respect them a lot. Um, but I think we were just a little too overconfident coming in. We also had a few untimely injuries, um, so we weren't quite at full strength. But um, it was a huge learning opportunity for us, helping us um, pick apart what we need to improve on and um, how to build on that to uh, come in stronger racing. You managed to turn that around just a month or so later in the Stumptown Throwdown in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you took that uh, best of uh, three-team series 2-0 over Minnesota and Portland. That's a weekend I am so proud of. Um, again, we were a little bit shorthanded. Uh, we were missing um, both of our other captains, uh, Marion Dickinson and April Lewis, weren't able to be there that weekend, um, missing a couple other people. But um, that was a really great team performance. Um, a couple players who weren't able to come down to regionals were back and put in strong games. Um, I had never gotten to play Minnesota before because I wasn't at um, 2017 Nationals, and so that was really cool. Um, I really appreciate them being able to come out. Um, that's a pretty long trip out to Portland for them. So it was really great that they were able to come. Uh, we also had some players from Sacramento joining us. They were, I think they had four or five players, um, and they split them between us and uh, Minnesota. The players who joined us were really great. Um, so that was a really fun weekend, and it's always fun for us to uh, beat Portland. They're a strong team that we get to also get to play a lot, and um, it's a pretty even series. It generally depends on who has more players able to show up that day. Uh, but that was a day that we were really out in force and put in a great show. Stepping back a moment as we talked about the new recruits and the newer players that have joined the Grizzlies, who's really caught your eye and stood up and had some eye-catching performances throughout, for example, the Western Regionals and the Stumptown Throwdown? Uh, definitely someone to watch. One of our new players is uh, Ryan Johnson. Um, she plays out on the wing for us a lot, but is pretty versatile, really athletic. Um, she's definitely the first one who came to mind as uh, going to be a really strong player. So we look ahead to this weekend. You're in Pool A. You're taking on the New York Magpies, who also had just the one win at the uh, Nationals last year, albeit in a different pool, and the reigning champions, the San Francisco Iron Maidens. What do you think of your competition in that pool? Uh, those are two great teams. Um, something I've been thinking about a little bit is um, they're both teams with a lot of history, um, have been playing for a long time, um, women who've been playing together for a long time. And um, compared to that, where we're 
we've got a lot of young players. And of course, I mean, they always bring in new recruits also, but um, it's fun for me to bring our side together and show that even with our lack of experience, we can really compete with the best in the game. So I'm really excited to uh, show them what we can do. What is interesting is obviously the San Francisco Iron Maidens, the reigning champions that you're taking on, you have played them several times before, whether it be Nationals or whether it be the Western Regionals. So you, you have an idea of what you're up against. But if I'm correct, this will actually be the first time ever Seattle in women's football will play New York. Yes, I think that's true. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And finally, before we let you go, uh, we spoke to you just a, a few weeks ago, April Lewis and Amelia Carr, who took part in the Crosscoders program in Melbourne, Australia, to hopefully pick up a, a contract in the AFLW. What has it meant for the Seattle Grizzlies club to have those two players invited down to Melbourne? I mean, we're just immensely proud of them. Um, they went out and found an opportunity to um, go make a name for themselves down in Australia, and um, I think that's really cool that they were able to take advantage of that. Um, they're both really great players and uh, great teammates, and so I'm really excited for them. Um, we haven't heard anything back about uh, how it went, well, other than that they had a great time and a great experience. Um, so keep your fingers crossed that something will come of it, but even if nothing does, it's still a really great experience for them, and it brings a lot of uh, experience back to us for our club. Well, Alison, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Grizzlies all the very best this weekend in Racine, Wisconsin. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Let's turn our attention now to Women's Division 1 Pool B and a team that's making their debut in Division 1 after dominating Division 2 for the last three years is the Portland Sockeyes. And we've got one of the legends of their club. She is also a vice president of the USAFL representing the Western region. It's great to have on the line Heather Serpico. Heather, how are you? I'm great, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad. Um, the Portland Sockeyes, reigning Division Two champions over the last three years. You're going up to Division One this year. How does it feel? Well, it feels like it's about damn time, but uh, <laughs> but it feels great. We're, we're super excited about it, and we're bringing a solid lineup to, to Division One, and we're ready to compete. We've kind of always been ready to compete, even when we only brought eight, I think. Uh, but now it's, it's a whole new whirlwind out there, and, and the incumbent D1 teams are, you know, they've got a, they've got a lot to look out for. We're what, excited about it. What's it been like, the recruiting this year, to get the numbers to qualify for D1? And we should explain to, obviously, Australian listeners that D2 is uh, generally combination size. That You know, you might have one team that have 16 players, but we'll have five others to try and make a squad of 21. You need to have a full squad to participate in D1. What's it been like to try and get those numbers up? Yeah, so this year uh, we, we came into the year with 14 returning players, which is pretty pretty awesome considering we had, I think, registered with 15 just shy of the uh, D1 criteria last year. Um, and this year, you know, we, we came in with a couple of people that, you know, life obligations, work obligations, uh, an unfortunate injury at the very end of a match, uh, the final game last year. So we wanted to having those numbers come down a bit. Um, but we're bringing 12 veterans this year and uh, nine rookies, which might seem like a lot and, and very questionable, but they're very talented rookies. So 
we're, we're super excited. The, the recruitment push, you know, it took a lot from everyone. Uh, we, had, we have a lot of uh, gridiron girls coming in, who, coming back, really, who brought in a lot of their, their teammates um, this offseason for, for them, their offseason, and, and I, that was a huge factor for us. Um, and that's really it. I mean, a few people just right off the street, off of Meetup, um, which is a kind of like a social events space. Um, and, and that's where we've gotten a lot of the girls over the years, a lot of the women over the years. And, and, uh, that's really been helpful. So it's, it's been pretty great. The recruitment push the effort has been remarkable and, you know, it's, it's really nice. I actually sent a thank you out to a lot of my veterans this, this past week saying, you know, their effort has been outstanding and, the reason for the Sakai's success has been 100% them, which is is completely true, and we couldn't be there without them. So I'm I'm really excited for the likes of you know Simone finally you know getting that D1 that she's been waiting for for years with Sakai's and getting to wear those jumpers and play against you know the big girls in in D1. So it's, we're pretty excited about that. Can you give us an insight into some of those rookies and how they've been performing throughout season 2018? Yeah, we've got a we got a, quite a few rookies, and and like I said, uh, about four of them are straight from the Portland Shockwave, which is our uh, local uh, gridiron female team. Um, and then we have a, a couple of stragglers. So we've got a few rugby ladies, a few that haven't played an organized sport in years, um, and it's just been the. It's just been incredible how they've gelled together so well. And, and for some of them in such a short span of time, only a few months getting to play together. Um, some have been, you know, playing since, since April. Um, and that's, that's been awesome. And then the few that have it, it's, you wouldn't know it when you see us in trainings these past couple of weekends before nationals. It's very much like we've been playing together forever. Um, and, and, and those girls have been playing since Stumptown, which was um, – the end of August, and you know, we we didn't fare so well at, at some town, but we definitely, you know, had a had a good outing against Seattle a couple of weeks later uh, with those same, that same lineup. And yeah, it's just definitely the improvements there. We're really excited about it, and and these are people that aren't just there to show up to to play at nationals. They've been they've been trying hard, and and they're looking forward to you know what's to come for the Sockeyes beyond Racine. So. Really excited about that. So let's build up from, I guess, the the lower form to the better form. Let's start by just looking at Stumptown for a moment. A 0-2 record coming out of that game against Seattle and uh, Minnesota. Was it just a case of a few players away, not to obviously rob the other sides of the, the, the glory of their victory? Or was it just a case of a bad day at the office? Or what do you put that down to? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to say it was, it was a little bit of, of everything, a bit. Uh, but mostly, really, it's just an experience at that moment in time. And I think we've really worked on that since then. Uh, not to take away from Minnesota and Seattle's victories over us. They played lights out, and they beat us fair and square. There's no doubt about that. I would never, ever take that away from someone uh, or some other team, especially opponents like Seattle and Minnesota, which are, you know, very notable <laughs> opponents. And, you know, we're – we're not looking forward to, but also looking forward to matching up against Minnesota again, you know, right away, straight away, uh, Saturday morning. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of it was an experience. And I think it just took, 
you know, a few more practices, a few more trainings, another game under their belt, and, you know, shake the cobwebs off, and, and they're real excited about it. Actually, um, Peter, something that's another historical moment in Sockeye's history is that it was our first year of having women's Metro only. We've been playing with the men for the last three-plus years in their Metro, uh, so co-ed style, which included fall tackling, but because of the the large recruitment effort, we've been able to uh, have our own women's Metro, and that's really helped up our game, uh, having realistic style matchups uh, against their opponents. And I always walk away from those feeling, feeling a lot worse for the wear, <laughs> a lot more worse for the wear. We'll touch on, on the Metro in just a moment's time, and I guess it correlates with the, the next question is, you've obviously played Seattle a number of times throughout the year because they are your closest rival, just a three-hour train ride away. How have you fared in your matchups this year against Seattle? Yeah, so um, early on when we went up to Seattle, again, Going up, very very soft on veterans. A lot of a lot of rookies at the time, very early on in the season. Uh, tough matchups, and they they beat us fair and square in July um, up at their little home tournament, or what should have been if Baltimore was able to make it. Um, and then you know when we saw them at Western Regionals, there was no competition. We had uh, we had we had ourselves in full force, and that was without Jess Blecker, who. I am sure when she gets here, it is going to put a hurt on, on every team she matches up against. And we talk about Seattle being so close, and you talk about the Metro. Well, what is the plan going forward with the Metro? Is that just to stay in the Portland area, or is there an idea to expand that seven or nine-a-side Metro tournament to include Seattle? So they've got their three or four teams, and all of a sudden you've got five or six teams rotating, playing each other. I, that would be great. I think it's 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 always a very difficult thing to get people to commit to weekends and, and all that. So we'll have to see how it goes. And, and as the years go by and see, you know, see what they're up to. And I've definitely been in talks with Seattle about trying to expand, you know, tournament style play. So that way we can definitely get a good run in on the weekends um, compared to just going up for a game and, and coming back down. Um, it would be really nice to have, you know, the option of having two or three like home tournament style uh, things going in the summer, but we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. And, and it's a lot of burdens put on players and, you know, I'm not trying to, to wear anybody out before, you know, October. <laughs> the Western regional tournament was won actually by a couple of years ago by Portland, when you actually teamed up with Minnesota and uh, when the Sockeyes and the Freeze teamed up for that uh, iconic nickname, the frozen fish, uh, this time around you teamed up with Los Angeles and you stunned them 3-0, clean sweeping that round robin at the Western Regional Tournaments, including defeating the reigning national champions. Yeah, it was a, it was a great uh, tournament. We, had, uh, we were very fortunate to have had, you know, the Ladies of the Dragons playing on our side. We had, we had some solid midfield defense forwards there. Uh, we also had Paige Keeker of, uh, of Minnesota playing for us, which was absolutely epic because she shut down, you know, the forward lines on any opposing team easily. Uh, so very much, we still had a little bit of that frozen fish combo there. Um, and we had Lawrence Koniski of New York there with us as well. So, you know, we, we, we were very fortunate that, you know, we were bolstered by having such great free agents on our side, for sure. 
Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking forward to signing the competition as a full Sockeye side without having to uh, add in a little asterisks of, of every other team there with us. <laughs> Let's have a look at your pool. Pool B in the women's Division 1 for your debut in Division 1 at the Nationals. As we mentioned, you're taking on the Minnesota Freeside. You've played many times before. And also in your pool is the six-time national champions, the Denver Lady Bulldogs. Yeah, um, we actually have only played Minnesota one other time. That was at some town uh, this year. And then again, uh, we've played Denver once, and that was at Western Regionals two years ago when teaming up with – it was a full combo team of L.A. Dragons, New York Magpies, Arizona Hawks. It was it was quite the random team uh, mashed together. I think we were called the All-Stars. Um and, you know, we, we played well against them, even even with a team that, you know, didn't have much chemistry because it was such a, a mashup of players. Um, and, you know, looking forward to playing against Denver and kind of getting that, really the first time the Sockeyes are getting that experience in. We spoke earlier in the year to Jess Blecker after she made her way down from Darwin to Melbourne to play with the Keelor Bulldogs in the uh, Northern Football Netball League. Um has she been able to actually pass on any information from what she's learned in Melbourne uh, online back to you in Portland that you've been able to implement, whether it be in game style or in training? Yeah, Jess is very much still part of our team. Uh, she She's, you know, someone that even if they've, you know, we have half our team going to Nationals never met Jess before, and they definitely feel like they know her. Uh, Jess is always in communication. We have a bit of a group chat going, and, and she makes sure that she just fills people in on what to do, what not to do. Um, and we're always talking about it, too. Um, just just little things that she's learning in trainings, what she learned in games, uh, and making sure that you know our teammates see her playing was, was a big part of it this year. Um, and people are thrilled to have that. And huge role model for the club, for the team. Uh, everything that Jess uh, has done has been very brave and, you know, it's really phenomenal that she she left us team leader and she's coming back a team leader. So it's really exciting to have her back. And to play, of course, in Division One football. <laughs> uh, just, just for you personally, uh, how's it been for you this year as, of course, you've been promoted to the role of Vice President of the USAFL Western Region? Uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, really coming active in the USAFL community. A lot of stuff that, you know, you don't realize goes on behind the scenes, getting an active part in. It's been it's been awesome. Uh, just seeing the league continue to grow and continue to change. It's very dynamic. And, you know, I think that's fabulous. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pan- keeps on panning out uh, as the years go on. And just keeping on your vice president's hat for a moment, uh, finally, how important is it for the league to have on the Sunday of the tournament uh, the men's division two, men's division one, and more importantly, the women's division one uh, grand finals being streamed on the ESPN online channel, ESPN three. I I'm, I mean, speaking with the vice president hat on, it's it's that's amazing, and I think getting that sort of promotion out there to to you know. The world, the country is going to be great for for the league, and and hopefully we're going to see you know ton of growth from that, and um, 
a lot of spectators coming in and, and watching that. Well, Heather, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we wish you and your Sockeyes all the very best as you take part in the Women's Division 1 at the USAFL Nationals and Racing Wisconsin. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. Continuing our look at the USAFL Nationals Women's Division 1 Pool B. They'll be taking part in Racing Wisconsin this week. And we've got on the line now from the six-time national champions, the Denver Lady Bulldogs, Sarah Rona. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad at all. The days are counting down to Racing Wisconsin. And uh, for the Denver Lady Bulldogs, you're always thereabouts, aren't you, when it comes to the championship equation? Yes, we're hoping that we can make it make another run at the grand final again this year. Let's take a step back for the moment before we get into all the nitty-gritty details about how the Lady Bulldogs have been building up this year. Um, Sarah, for yourself, where did your football journey first begin? Uh, so I was a rugby union player for about 13 years. I played at the national level on 7s and 15s um, from the age of 16 all the way until I decided to retire um, when I played semi-pro in the Women's Premier League. Um, I have a good friend who had been trying to get me out for the footy team for years, and I always blew her off, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing rugby. And finally I said, okay, I'll give this footy a try, and went to my first, I think my first training was in early October of 2013, and I ended up buying my plane ticket that night for nationals that year. And from that Nationals, I think for 2013, that might have been the third or fourth uh, flag in a row for the Denver Lady Bulldogs. Let's talk about that six in a row that the Bulldogs have won. What do you put that success down to of why the Bulldogs have been so dominant over the many years of the Nationals? Well, I really think that Denver did an amazing job at recruiting talented athletes. So we were picking up girls from a lot of rugby players is where we got the core of our um, team uh, as well as some soccer players in there. So we, def we were recruiting from sports where kicking and aggression are imperative. And um, we, we had a strong support group from our men's club as well. So when they went out for trainings in the early days, we were training with the men and they were helping bring our skill level up at a really fast pace. Is it fair to say that Denver is actually quite a sporty and outdoorsy community? It really is. It, it's, I mean, it's one of the fittest states. Denver is actually one of the fittest cities in the United States of America. I believe Colorado is the fittest state um, in the United States. And we've had a huge influx of young professionals moving here because they come here, they see how great it is to be outdoors with the mountains and the lakes and the rivers. And so they're moving to Denver for work, but they're also bringing their athleticism with them as well. Over the last couple of years, the Bulldogs had been there, as always, featured in the top two equation, but just falling short, 2016 in the round-robin format and then in the grand final last year, 2017, going down to the San Francisco Iron Maidens. Has it been time over the past 12 months for perhaps a rethink for the Bulldogs of not only who you're obviously recruiting, but game plan and style to try and get the edge back to get back that number one spot? Well, you know... Um It'll be an interesting Nationals for sure. 
We have made a big push to recruit athletes by tapping into the Denver market um, where, you know, you're finding active and fit people. Um, we're taking a lot of fresh talent um, and trying to mold them into our style of play. And Denver has always been known as one of the hardest hitting teams, um, one of the fittest teams. And so we're, t we're playing off of everybody's strengths and just going to continue with our momentum moving forward. Talking about that, how many of your recruits will you be bringing to the Nationals this year? And has there been any standouts from them in some of your past performances this year? For example, the Central Regional Tournament. Yeah, we're bringing quite a few new recruits. Um, I don't want to give away how many we're bringing, though, <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Everyone tries to keep a, a um, little something up there, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do have some really amazing standouts this year. Um, uh, one lady named Anna Evans, she was a former pro soccer player. So we actually just grabbed her in the last few weeks, and she's made an impact on um, the team, as well as a, a young lady named Amanda Newell. She was a former rugby player and is doing really well in the fullback position and cleaning up slot back there. And then we've also um, recruited a young lady who's actually a Mexican national, um, and she played gridiron football in Mexico, and actually she saw us playing in the park and jumped on and hasn't left our team since. And it's kind of interesting hearing her story because when we first met her, she could barely speak any English. Um, and we have a, an app we use to communicate called WhatsApp, and she told me that she's learned more English through our WhatsApp page than she has from her English-speaking classes. But uh, it's it's really exciting, and she is a, an amazing defender, and I can't wait to see her play this year at Nationals. And not only the rookies, you've obviously got a, a great spread of uh, senior talent. I mean, we talk about Haley and Lindsay uh, Kastenek, uh, Alison Bremner, Caitlin Masham-Mace, to name a few. And, of course, in previous years, we've seen players such as, I think, Twania Clark and uh, and Jessica Gray dominate at the Nationals. Yeah, um, we will. Uh, it's kind of interesting how it all pans out because these uh, main veterans, they're perfectly spread throughout the field so that we have someone guiding the rookies um, from each of the lines. So, we, you know, we have Jess Gray, in our half-back line, and Anna in our half-forward line. Um, Caitlin and I will be up in the forwards, and um, we'll be there to uh, really hold, not hand-hold, but show our new players, you know, how to play the game because um, some of them haven't even played in a game before. They've only been um, witness to metros. So they're really relying on the veterans to you know, keep them safe and to show them what it's like to play a game of footy. The club must have been very happy with the performance from the Central Regional Tournament a couple of months ago. Uh, 2-0 taking that round-robin group, uh, not allowing either the Midwest All-Stars or the Texas Heat to score a goal, uh, winning 58-1 to in one game and 52-2 to in the other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was quite the experience. Um, it was kind of a rocky road getting there. Um, leading the, A week leading into it, we didn't even know if we were going to have a game. Um, but they were able to pull everything together, and we got to play against um, some new talent and players from across the nation who are working on building their clubs. 
So um, we kind of had an, an edge on it because we had the most experience by far because um, we were playing against girls who just formed a team this year or had just formed a team last year or they were pulling, like, for example, Texas Heat. They pull across the entire state of Texas. So um, Texas is one of our largest states in the union. And so you, if you're pulling from Dallas and Houston, you know, it's hard for them to gather uh, to get good training in together. But um, it was it was a great experience, and we made a lot of friendships and forged a lot of relationships at that tournament. But it was nice to w- walk away with some hardware. I, I will admit that. What's your thoughts about being placed in Pool B at this year's uh, Nationals? Um, obviously, we, um, the top two go through to the semifinals. You've got the Minnesota Freeze, a side that's uh, been a rival for many years in that pool. And then you've also got the Portland Sockeyes, who completely dominated uh, Division Two last year and have been promoted to your Division One Pool B pool this year. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how it all pans out. Um, we've played Minnesota. I think every. I think since I've been playing, we've played them every single year. Um, I do recognize some of their names on their team, like uh, Lizzie Even, Catherine Georgiadis, Kathy Hoha, Lauren Shelton, and Terry Tupper. I went to Australia with them in 2014. So they've got a solid group of veterans uh, guiding their team as well. Um, and then for Portland, they've got Jessica Blecker, who's been down in Australia, um, as well as a few Australian nationals. So I'm really interested to see how we go up against them. The nice thing is with the pool play, we if we do lose a game, uh, that doesn't automatically knock us out. Um, we still have a chance to vie for getting into the grand final on day two. But... Um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. The it's going to be a cold one in Racine. Um, that we're looking at highs of like 53, so 53 degrees Fahrenheit is pretty cold for footy. So um, we may also be facing a lot of storms and rain as well. Um, so I go back to that old saying: any team can win on any given day. I just you know I don't want to put all our eggs in one basket and want to stay humble about it and go out there and play our football of you know hard hitting and long bombs and make sure we can put those goals on the scoreboard and finally sarah being over yourself how are you feeling coming into this weekend how's the body and how's your uh, fitness been as you build towards this weekend i uh, really been i've been looking forward to it we've been doing a lot of trainings together um, at red rocks amphitheater and outside of denver colorado which is about a mile and a half to two miles above sea level so it'll be nice going from running an hour um, at Red Rocks to going down to sea level practically in racing. Um, my body is doing just fine, no injuries, and um, I've been out training with our men this season just to get as many touches on the footy as I can. Um, but I'm looking forward to nationals, uh, and I'm so anxious to see how it all it all plays out because it's been a long road this season. It's been a lot of work trying to get this team Uh, on track to perform well at Nationals this year. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Denver Lady Bulldogs all the very best this weekend in racing, Wisconsin. Great. Thank you so much. And now to the final team of Women's Division 1 Pool B. It's almost like home ground advantage to them being in the north of the country and being in the state next door to them, Wisconsin. We talk about the Minnesota Freeze. And we've got on the line from the Freeze, 
Andrea Madison. E, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Not too bad at all. We're counting down the days to racing Wisconsin and the USAFL Nationals. How are the nerves feeling? Oh, they're pretty good. It's a, they're chilly right now since the weather is a little damp, but all in all, the nerves are going well. Good to hear. Now, let's step back in time a moment before we talk about the current Minnesota Freeze team. Uh, for you personally, how did you stumble across Aussie Rules football? Yeah, I studied abroad in Australia um, in 2012 in Perth. Um, went to the University of Notre Dame in Fremantle, and I learned the games there. Um, it was a cultural project and absolutely fell in love with the culture around it. Um, came back to the U.S., found it on meetup.com, and I've been on the team for six years now. Before we talk about the freeze just then, since you said you were in Perth and you studied it for cultural reasons, did you do, obviously, the right thing? Did you pick a team? Who are you following in the AFL? Obviously the Dockers. <laughs> well, Gil Griffin will be very happy to hear that. So, the Minnesota Freeze, what, what were your first memories of walking through the door and joining a women's Australian football team right in the US of A? Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, so, um, so let's talk about your first memories of walking through the door at the Minnesota Freeze. How did it feel to walk into an Aussie rules club right in your backyard in the USA? Oh. Oh, it was amazing. Um, I came in and our coaches totally welcomed me. And um, I just, it was immediate instant family. I'm from California. So, um, and I was moving to the Twin Cities. So having an automatic family, it was, it was just awesome. And it's been a, a pretty few good years for Minnesota. As much as you haven't been able to take out the national titles yet, it's fair to say you've been competitive throughout the years. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I feel like we play really um, good footy, fun footy, clean footy, but always always putting our teammates first and always supporting each other on the field. So when you got that combination, you're going to be a competitive team. And shout out to all the other teams in the USAFL. They've all put a strong foot forward as well. So it's been really fun. It's been fun to watch footy grow throughout the years as well. Safe to say you've had, you know, a couple of star players on your side. I think the lines of um, uh, uh, Kathy Oha, I'm thinking uh, Georgie Yardis, Lizzie Even, for example. You've always had that solid core of veterans who've also represented uh, the USA in various international cups. Yeah, we got, a, we got a strong spine on the team, and we're excited to show what we have this year. we got a lot of new rookies coming out, so watch out for them. And I believe Catherine Mullen and a few actually uh, went down to take part as part of an All-Stars team at the Central Regional Tournament this year. Yeah, yeah, Keith's great. <laughs> you, you talk about the uh, rookies that you've got. How many new players have you managed to pick up in uh, 2018? And what's their quality been like? Oh, good question. Um, we probably have a solid eight to ten rookies. Um, and they, I would watch out. They're all previous rugby players or hockey players. So they're going to, they're going to throw down. <laughs> so that's going to be great. I can't wait to, I can't wait to watch all of them play as a team and work with them as a team. Since you've mentioned that phrase, throw down, uh, one of the last tournaments you played was, uh, the Stumptown Throwdown. And you come away with a 1-1 record for that, uh, beating Portland in that competition. Yep. 
Yep, and we get to see Portland at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So I'm excited for that rematch. Let's talk about that, uh, Pool B. It's it's a tough pool. You're coming up against the Portland Socos. You said you've beaten their uh, current Division Two champions that are making the step up. And also in your group, the six-time national champions, the Denver Lady Bulldogs. Yep, yep. I think both teams, we, we know the teams pretty well, and we're excited to see, see what this year turns out to be like. As we mentioned that you've got the new players in your side, you know, 8 to 10 rookies, how do you think that's changed your side because of the rugby players and the hockey players? Is it a more physical game that you're looking to play, a slow physical game? Or uh, with their athleticism, are they bringing more speed and spread? I think it's all of the above. Um, every player is, has really found their position, and it's going to be creative, it's going to be fast, it's going to be tough. It's, we're, we're just very excited to see to show what we've been practicing all season. And how does it feel, I guess, for the team, that, that little carrot that if you do make it all the way, of course, you'll have uh, um, at least one of your games streamed and also the um, uh, semifinals. But if you do make it all the way to the grand final, not only will you obviously be playing for the national champions title, but uh, the news that that women's division one grand final will be shown live on ESPN3. Oh, that's, it's, that's insane. That's incredible. We're, we're very humbled and very grateful for that. And, Andrea, for yourself personally, how's the body feeling? How's your form as you head into this Nationals? I, I went to spin class this morning to, <laughs> to do my tapering uh, to make sure I, I'm still doing a, a lot for during this week, but also um, cutting back on just the pounding for the running. Um, but, yeah, I did my um, ASL sprint program, so I, I always feel good. Do my lifting. <laughs> Well, e, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Minnesota Freeze all the very best this weekend in Racing, Wisconsin for the 2018 USAFL Nationals. Thank you so much. So just recapping Women's Division 1 at the 2018 USAFL Nationals in Racing, Wisconsin this week and Pool A sees San Francisco Iron Maidens, New York Magpies and Seattle Grizzlies. Pool B, the Denver Lady Bulldogs, Minnesota Freeze and Portland Sockeyes. And the system works like this. The top two teams from those pools go through to the Sunday and meet in the semifinals, crossing over. Obviously, first of Pool A versus second of Pool B. First of Pool B versus second of Pool A. And, of course, the winners of those semifinals meet in the grand final. Uh, the teams that finish third and last in uh, both of those groups, they will meet in a consolation final on the Sunday. Great news as well is that the Women's Division 1 Grand Final uh, being played at 3pm Central District Time in the US is being shown live on ESPN3. That's ESPN's online channel uh, this weekend, which is fantastic. And select other games are also being streamed via Go Live Sportscast with commentary from the USAFL's Brian Barish, uh, Gil Griffin and yours truly will be over there calling as well. There's also the Women's Division 2 Two. Now, there's five teams in this competition, and in, in like uh, last year, it will be a round-robin tournament. So those five teams will play each other once. The team with the best win-loss record uh, takes out the title. Now, team one in this competition is the Columbus Cats, with assistance from players from the Montreal Angels and Chicago Swans. 
Uh, the second team is the Sacramento Suns. They've dropped from Division 1 down to Division 2. And the Sacramento Suns will be teaming up with players from uh, Los Angeles, Toronto, and the Arizona Outlaws. The third team will be the uh, Baltimore-Washington, D.C. Eagles, teaming up with players from uh, the Boston Demons and the Nashville Kangaroos. The fourth team will be Canada's Calgary Kookaburras, teaming up with players from the North Star Blue Ox, the Arizona Hawks, and Wisconsin Wombats. And the fifth and final team will be the Texas Heat with players from the Philadelphia Hawks, uh, Oklahoma Football Club and Des Moines Roosters. That makes up a women's division too. So best of luck to all the teams of the USAFL Nationals this Saturday and Sunday in Racine, Wisconsin. Let's jump across to the Atlantic and go to Cork Island, the venue for the AFL Europe Ninerside Euro Cup being played on the Saturday. Game start at 9am. The women's final is being played at 6pm. We're going to kick off by interviewing someone for the tournament host, the Irish Banshees. And we've got on the line Claire Cunningham. Claire, how are you? Great, thank you, Peter. Great. How's Thanks it, for having me. How does it feel counting down the days to pulling on the Banshees jumper once more, but this time for a home Euro Cup in Cork? Yes, it's very exciting. We're looking forward to having it on home soil and trying to retain the crown back from the Vixens. So everyone's very excited in the Banshees camp. Are you expecting a decent crowd this weekend to show up for the tournament, particularly with a a lot of interest in, for example, uh, Women's Australian Rules football, courtesy of the great news of uh, Alicia Considine and Yvonne Bonner also being picked up to play AFLW? We are indeed, yeah, it's great. There's been a lot of hype about it and there's been a lot of development in this year, 2018, with AFL Ireland Women's. Um, Obviously, as you said, Yvonne and Ailish have been signed, which is fantastic with Adelaide Crows and Greater Western Sydney. Um, But the Euros, we're really looking forward to. There's a lot more women's teams this year. There's nine teams all together in two pools. Um, So, yeah, it should be great. For the Banshees preparing for this tournament, have you found yourself picking up more Gaelic footballers that are crossing codes? And with that, like we saw with the Crosscoders game in Melbourne, have you seen the pace of the game pick up? There are a lot, yeah. This year there's been a growing new league and many new clubs, so we've been engaging lots of new players. Um, And our coach, Mike Curran, just announced a a couple of weeks ago a 50-player development squad, um, which there has been massive massive competition for for places. So I guess with the exposure and obviously um, the AFL in Australia, um, there's been great opportunities for new players to become involved and there's been a lot more interest um, from, as you said, cross-coders, people from other sports, particularly GAA, I guess, in Ireland, um, as the games are pretty similar like ball handling skills and things like that, yeah. As you mentioned, a 50-person squad, because we should point out, there's, I guess, three chances for representative football in the space of 12 months. Uh, obviously, in Cork uh, this weekend, uh, in about June, July next year, will be the next edition of the Euro Cup 9 aside. And then, of course, you've got your 18-a-side European Championships in October next year. Yes, exactly, yeah. So it's it's pretty much a development squad, you know, with... Um, and there's been lots of taster sessions for new players to become involved throughout the year. We're kind of on a three-year plan. Um, so as you said, there's lots of things coming up in the 12 months um, coming up, but also beyond that as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of universities footy has just started up. Um, so new clubs in the university. So again, trying to recruit new girls. The Euros in June in Sweden and the Euro Championships will be in London in October next year. And then obviously in a long term, the International Cup back in Melbourne in 2020 which the Banshees won in 2017 most recently. Yeah. And it's actually where I started off my AFL 
um, was with in the International Cup in 2011 out in Melbourne. I was living in Australia at the time, so that's what got me engaged in the game. So I'm excited to see a lot more young girls and ladies who are cross-coding getting involved with AFL in the future. How do you feel when you, when you reflect on that? That's been seven years that you've been representing Ireland. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I guess when it comes to this year, um, I kind of, you know, grab it with both hands um, to still be able to pull on the green jersey is a great moment of pride and represent your country. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted that the game has come so far in the seven years. Um, yeah, delighted. It's super. Obviously, besides the smaller ground, how differently can you describe nine aside to eight ten aside football? How do you feel it's played differently compared to the normal game? Well, I guess it's a very fast-paced game, Peter. It's all about quick movement and agility. Um, your personal fitness has to be strong to to you know to cover the ground in nine aside. Um, but it's great. It really exposes people's skills, you know, and their fitness and their agility are probably the three main things. Um, but you have to be. You have to be efficient with your with your ball handling skills in nine aside. You know, there's no hiding in the nine aside game. Yeah, when it comes to AFL, you talk about the fifty player squad and rookies. Can you give us a rough idea of the turnover compared to last year's Banshees nine aside team? Of what numbers are looking like for rookies compared to veterans? Yeah, well, it's predominantly rookies, Peter, at this stage. Um, going forward you know and there's a few vet- veterans in there and experienced players you know which is key I suppose the experienced players will help integrate the new players into the team you know and it's all about them learning you know and passing on that right attitude to them and show them that it just takes effort and practice um, in order to get where they want to be you know um, but if any players want to be part of the journey you know just get on board and give it a try is what I'd say from experience you know there's a great platform there now to showcase talents and skills um, at a European level, you know, and this year we've had, I think, over 130 players pick up a year and at some stage and become involved in the game. There's 12 clubs, there's university teams, um, there's a lot of competitions coming up to look forward to. So, yeah, I just encourage people looking, to, to be part of it. Looking at the pool, I, uh, just a quick few thoughts on your competition that you'll be up against. Uh, you've got the French, the Croatians and yeah. the Scottish in your pool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I suppose the strongest and hot favourites for the competition would be in the other pool and pool B. Um, so France would be the most competitive in our pool A um, against us. And then Croatia and Scotland would come after that. Yeah. So I think France will be highly competitive. They'll be trying to gain top spot in pool A as ourselves will, obviously. Um, and then on the other side, we have England are the favourites, the most dominant, and they're holding the title from last year. They beat us in the grand final in Euro Cup 2017 in Bordeaux. Um, and then Wales and Germany are actually new teams, so they're making a debut to it. So I'm excited to see nine teams and two pools, you know. Indeed, and it's going to be a full-on day of football going from 9am. Exactly, to... yeah, it's amazing. I think 64, 64 matches throughout the day um, between the women's and the men's. So, yeah, it's going to be a great day. Yes, and the women's, I think, finishing under lights at 6pm uh, with that uh, grand final. And I believe as well, uh, and the good news is for those sides that don't make the top four, they're having a round-robin women's plate for those uh, bottom three sides. They are indeed, yes, yeah, yeah, to place a third team, yeah. So that would be great, yeah. Sweden placed in third last year um, behind ourselves, I believe. So, yeah, it'll be great to have that to play, you know, when there's so many teams. It'll be excellent. The more footy, the better.
<laughs> Absolutely. What What is the plan for the team going into Cork? Normally, if you were going overseas, uh, for example, uh, for, for such a short tournament, you'd probably arrive the day before. Everyone stays at the same hotel, bit of a bonding exercise, etc. Because it's being played in your home country in Cork, is the idea to meet up in Cork the night beforehand? Or because it's so local, everyone's told, just keep your same routine, stay in your own bed, everyone drive and meet in Cork that morning? Oh, no, definitely. Definitely, Peter. So we'll go down and we'll regroup as a team on the Friday. Um, so the day before the tournament, we'll have our jersey presentation and we'll have a team meeting on the Friday evening um, and we'll stay together on the Friday night. Yeah, definitely. So we're all together as a team and raring to go for Saturday morning. Is there any added pressure to the fact of, I know you're not in the reigning champions, you're obviously trying to knock off England, but being the home team and I guess the expectation that comes with that? Um, I wouldn't say added pressure, no. It's just more of a, a pride moment, you know, because we've travelled to, you know, different places to play the Euro Cup in the past. Like myself, personally, I've been to London and Bordeaux. And so it's actually a really proud moment to feel that you're hosting it at home on home soil and the Emerald Isle. Um, so just to make sure that all the teams have a great weekend and, you know, the, the, the standard of everything is as high as we've experienced in the past, which it will be. And it's been held in CIT in the sports ground. So there's excellent facilities there. So it should be great. Can you give us an idea behind those facilities of, of what they look like and what does uh, both players and supporters can look forward to? Well, just top class university sports facilities, which is wonderful. There'll be many pitches. Everything will be there that we need, you know, and then it's in close proximity to, as you said, Cork, the city. And so it's a really great location to host it. Well, Claire, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Irish Banshees all the very best in playing in and hosting the 2018 Euro Cup in Cork. You're very welcome. Thank you, Peter. A team making their debut in the women's division at the Euro Cup are the German Eagles, and it's great to have on the line their captain, Awana Kopasaki. Awana, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Hi. Great to have you on the line as we count down the days to Cork Island for the AFL Euro Cup. Now, of course, uh, you're captain of the German Eagles team, so I need to ask the first question. How did you discover Aussie Rules football? Um, well, I did an internship in Melbourne in 2015 and just uh, walking along, along in the city um, around all those grounds. First day after I arrived, really jet lagged, I saw people playing some sort of sport and I realized that's not rugby. Um, so I asked the people at my placement, like, what do the people do here? And they told me about footy, took me to a game, and I decided to um, join one of the university's uh, women's club um, to train a bit. So I did, I really loved it. But coming back to Germany, there was no women's team. So I just liked the um, German footy Facebook page. And then three years later, this year in February, they posted about starting um, women's footy in Germany. Um, So I was really keen on joining in and got in right away. Um, Yeah, so since then I play footy in Germany. When you were back in Melbourne, as you said, you joined a club. Um, I'm guessing you played a handful of games. Which club was it that you joined? Um, well, I didn't um, play games because it was uh, actually in winter when I was there. So the season was almost over and I just trained for a couple of times, I think like five, six times. Um, it was with the Latrobe University team. Which is great to hear because, of course, there was the University Football Carnival. It's a shame you didn't get to play, but as you said, you waited a couple of years. And could you believe your eyes when all of a sudden you saw that with AFL Germany, they were finally getting a women's competition off the ground? No, actually, I was really surprised and I thought, like, 
I was like, is this real? And then I wrote them a message replying, being like, yeah, I want to join in. Where can I train? And um, Lisa replied me right away, like, yeah, um, what city are you located in? You can there, uh, train there and there. And are you keen on joining us in Amsterdam where the Champions League is held? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. Like, um, it was really like a fast start um, for women's footy in Germany. And I think it's all thanks to Lisa and her enthusiasm of getting things done. Yeah. Of course, the Hamburg Dockers went across to take part in the Champions League tournament. Uh, for yourself, mm-hmm. which city are you based in? Um, I'm playing in Cologne. And what's the numbers like in Cologne? I think around Hamburg we're seeing strong numbers, I think as much as 30. What are the numbers like around the Cologne area of trying to get women to play Aussie rules? Uh, in Cologne we're around five women at, at this point, but we're looking to recruit more women as we're heading off into hopefully the first uh, women's league um, playing next year. And uh, the reports I've heard from Lisa Wilson as well is across Germany, there's at least 60 women uh, playing Aussie rules football in just the first year of the AFL German women's competition. Yes, it's really um, taking off, especially in Berlin. And we have Cologne and Frankfurt and Stuttgart and Dresden, like lots of cities and Munich also. Um, So numbers are improving all across um, Germany. And we're really um, looking forward to starting off with our um, women's league next year that will hopefully get more women involved once they see that actual like league games are played. And yeah, it's looking very good so far. Like uh, women in Germany just enjoy this awesome sport and yeah. I believe obviously for the first year of the competition, it's been essentially exhibition matches. So how often have you been able to get together and play against each other? Um, in Germany, I think so far we had, um, let me think, I think six games. So um, we had um, two in Berlin. We had one in Hamburg, one in Cologne, in Dresden. And we had also a fixture outside of Germany with the Eagles team in Prague where we played the Croatian Queens. And how did you fare in that match? It was really quite of a reality check because the Croatian team is really good and put on a tough competition and it was a very physical but fair game um but i think as a start, newfound team and not all of our team members like eagle players were present um we did really well and we all really enjoyed the game and you know that motivated us even further um to head into the euro cup out of the six or so games that you've had so far who have been some of the german women that have really stood out to you that you think could have a good tournament this weekend Oh, well, definitely Tina. Um, she's like our go-to um, goal kicker and she's a really fast player and very agile. Um, she's definitely going to stand out um, from the crowd of Eagles. Um, but we have a lot of talented women on the uh, grounds. Um, we have two Ellies. They're both really good. We have Annika, who's also in for some goal kicking. But, you know, we might see someone... Um, completely different from the um, team stepping up and kicking our first uh, goal for the Eagles. So, yeah. And you've got four games that you'll play uh, on the Saturday as part of the Euro Cup fixture. You're in Pool B. You're going up against uh, the Danish Valkyries and the Welsh Wyverns, who will be forming their own standalone sides for the first time. They were combined last year. You'll be playing the Swedish Ravens. And how does it feel to be going up against, in your pool, the reigning champions, the England Vixens? Well, that's going to be definitely a game where we learn a lot. Um, We go in without any expectations just because it's our first year. So we just want to have a lot of fun and learn as much as we can 
um, but obviously go in as a opponent that has to be taken seriously. Um, so I think even for the English team, and we do have Lisa as one of our coaches. Um, so I think we're going to go in prepared, uh, but still, um, yeah, get just as much as we can out of it and put in a good fight. And for yourself personally, what does it mean to be the inaugural captain, the first ever captain of a German women's Aussie rules team? Well, it's obviously really special and quite a big honor. Um, also, I know all the girls, um, got to know them over the last half year, and they're all so motivated and inspiring women, just want to, uh, you know, bring the sport um, forward and, like, um, let it grow in Germany. Um, it's just a great atmosphere, uh, but also they're really good at what they're doing, like um, their... Um, determination and their commitment to the sport is really inspiring so I'm really thankful and yeah proud actually to be um, leading the team into the Euro Cup. Well Iwana thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best this weekend as your Eagles run out into the field for the first time in a Euro Cup in Cork Island. Thank you so much. Continuing our look at the AFL Europe Niner-Side Euro Cup being played in Cork Island this Saturday. And joining us on the line from the Scottish Sirens, it's Stacey Hughes. Stacey, how are you? I'm good, Peter. I'm good to you. Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. It's been a while since we spoke to you after you played in that uh, first game against uh, Pakistan back in Melbourne. Just quickly picking up off that, how did you find the GB Swans experience at IC17? Uh, the experience was absolutely phenomenal. It was amazing just to be away, be able to concentrate on footy for two or three weeks, just solely. That was our main focus um, in getting in amongst the team. And we got some good results out there as well. It was a good first tournament for the Swans. Let's have a look ahead to 2018. Before we get to the Euro Cup, of course, we know that you play in Scotland. Of course, we've talked before in the past about the Greater Glasgow Giants, the Glasgow Sharks. Uh, you've had a new team, the West Lothian Eagles, actually uh, join you this year. What's the development been like of Scottish women's football being throughout to 2018? It's been absolutely fantastic this year. Um, we've got quite a few numbers in at the... The, uh, the Eagles, and then there's some, some girls training with the the blood, so there's something in the pipeline for next year to try and get um, some women's football on the calendar. Um, but the numbers we've got, we've got a number um, of the the Eagles coming to court with us, which is fantastic. The first year they've been down plain, and that's them getting a chance to go to an international tournament. So the numbers have come on really, really well this year in Scotland. And with that, with the additional teams, as we mentioned, the Edinburgh Bloods, um, what has been the original squad numbers like before you've obviously uh, wilted it down to the number that you're taking across to Ireland? Well, previous tournaments we've taken maybe nine or ten, so obviously we're playing a nine-a-side tournament. Taking nine or ten players is extremely tough. Um, 2014, the first year we went, we took we took nine. We picked up an extra player down there, and we got an injury, so we played the whole day with nine players. Um, same kind of story last year. We only had 10 or 11 players, picked up a couple of injuries. So by the end of the day, we'd, we'd a squad of nine on the pitch, a couple of people who were carrying injuries. So this year we're actually taking 14 to Ireland, which is absolutely fantastic for us. And we're, actually, we're really looking forward to being able to use our rotations on the day. That certainly helps that. And out of the new players that you've added to your side, um, what kind of talent will they bring you? Looking at more speedy players, more forwards, backs. Uh, who have you got in your squad? 
Um, we've got a bit of a mix. So we've got um, three three new eagles in the team. One of which is a ruck. So that's quite good for us because um, we we kind of had one ruck before, and then other people kind of helping out. But she's kind of an extra ruck rotation, which is really good. Um, we've got a girl from Edinburgh who will be we're looking to be absolutely solid at the back, and some run from one of the new girls from down south. She plays with the Sussex Swans, so we're looking for Bella to give us a wee bit of run as well. Can you give us an insight to what you've learnt over the last couple of Euro Cups with the Scottish side? Besides, obviously, as you said, when you've only been down to only having nine players, what have you learnt about the Niners side game that you think that you can uh, tweak to your advantage this time around? I think that's the, that's the thing. We've got, we've got to definitely play to our advantage, so we've got to look at our team. Our team traditionally is, is stronger rather than quicker or agile, so we're going to play a game that focuses on our strength of being a strong team rather than maybe a quick team, but we've got some extra run actually from some of the new players we're, we're coming in, so maybe we can be a wee bit more versatile this year um, and mix and mix up our play, um, concentrating on being strong and then using the runners when we can. Let's talk about the teams in your pool and uh, your thoughts on the opposition that you'll be coming up against. Uh, you've got the Irish Bansies in your pool, the French and Croatia. The, the Irish obviously are strong, one of the strong favourites. Ireland and England are always going to go into this tournament as favourites. and There's quite a different Ireland squad this year as well, so not seeing so many familiar faces. It's a bit daunting because you're thinking, well, they had decent players before, really good players before, and they're They've been replaced by these other players, so I'm expecting Ireland to be an extremely tough game. Um, we kind of like to pitch ourselves along um, the same kind of category as the French. They always give us a good game. Um, I think we've won games against the French, we've lost games against the French. So we're looking forward to um, a good game there. We played a tournament, the Glasgow the Glasgow Sharks played a tournament at the beginning of the year in Ireland with some of the French teams we put in, put in uh, with some of the French players. We put in a mixed team, so it'll be good facing some of the players um, we've played before. Um, I'm expecting Croatia to be strong. Um, I don't know as much about Croatia because they've played a couple of Euro Cups. Of, they've missed a couple of Euro Cups, so they're a wee bit of an unknown quantity for us this year. What about for yourself personally, Stacey? I mean, the last time we saw you when we were calling you uh, playing against uh, Fiji and then against Canada, where you were traditionally playing a forwards role out of the goal square. How much does your role change compared to your positioning for an 18-a-side game compared to this nine-a-side format? I think, I think it's much easier to get involved in the game as a forward. If you're, if you're playing a strong team and you're playing 18s, you can be a bit isolated if the ball's not coming up. But playing as a forward, it gives me the chance, actually, I can come into midfield more and pick up the ball, help out my teammates a bit more and hopefully set up some chances. So if we're playing a strong team, it does, does give us the opportunity as a forward to get more involved in the game. The English were talking about their side getting together as early as June this year and training for the tournament. Um, how often has you, have you been able to get the Scottish squad together and how far back did that go to? Um, we've, we've been training once a month and then kind of doing some ad hoc stuff. But we've had sirens training um, for the last four months. So we're quite conscious this year that we, um, we get proper training sessions and get as many of the girls, especially this year when we've got five, five new girls to the squad um, we want them involved as much as possible and any of the other girls who haven't been able to make it. Um, we've got a few girls who have been in previous squads um, who aren't able to make it this year, but it's good to have them down at training and passing on experience and making the new girls feel welcome as well. So it was very important this year, especially with us having 
so many new girls involved who wanted to train as early as possible. And on that, a busy representative calendar because, as we said, you played this weekend in Cork Island. The next Euro Cup is actually less than 12 months away. You've got it in June in Sweden. And then for a lucky few of you, you've got to back up to play with the GB Swans uh, come October next year in London. Yeah, but it's a busy calendar, but it's a, it's a nice calendar to have. So at the moment, we're trying to develop something for next year. And I've already got in plan, in place, um, a starting plan of where, when we're going to sign us are going to train next year. Obviously, because it is a lot earlier next year, so that we've got enough training sessions and the girls are fully prepared. Hopefully, even have more numbers and get a full squad next year, um, a full 16 for to go to Sweden. So we're also conscious of the cost of the Euro Cup and how early it is coming in the year. We want to give the girls as much opportunity as possible to be involved in the squad and be able to make it across to Sweden next year. And how tough do you think it's going to be in this pool A? They play against the Irish, as we said, that, of course, have won a number of Euro Cups in the past, of course, reigning uh, IC17 champions, but also having to come up against the Irish crowd. They're on their home turf and they're going to be very vocal. Yeah, I think it's always going to be tough um, when you're visiting a country who's got a strong a strong population, um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of Irish down watching the game and getting behind their team. Um but we, do, we just need to block that out as much as possible. We've played down in, um, down in England when they've had a strong team. Um, so we'll just need to try and block that out as much as possible and just concentrate on our game. Well, Stacey, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Scottish Sirens all the very best this weekend in Cork, Ireland for the 2018 edition of the Euro Cup. Thanks very much, Peter. And our final guest for this week comes from the Nottingham Scorpions, also plays for the North London Lions, a GB Swans representative and a veteran of the England Vixens, a regular here on our program. It's Laura Turner-Ramadan. Laura, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm great, thanks. I don't know about the word veteran. I'm going to take that as an, as a compliment, my experienced head. <laughs> I, I certainly uh, don't necessarily think of myself as a veteran, but I guess in comparison to the new girls I am, I suppose. A mature and wise player. How about we go with ah, that? That's better. Yeah, I'll take that one. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, how does it feel to be heading into this weekend in Cork Island to the Niderside Euro Cup as reigning champions? It feels brilliant. It's it's an interesting position to be in because you know you're always the hunted. When you're the when you're the previous winners, they're they're all out to get you. That's certainly how we felt last year going into the tournament. So uh, it's great to know that we we can win it. It's great to know that we can beat a very strong Irish team. Um, but it's just it's it's always exciting going to the Euro Cup. It's it's always a bit of an unknown because it's a nine-a-side tournament and we only do sort of maybe our own, you know, odd one or two practice matches behind closed doors. You just never really know what to expect of the Euro Cup. For you personally, how do you view 18-a-side football compared to nine-a-side football? Obviously, besides going from a bigger field down to a smaller field, what's some of the mm. tactics and game style that you have to change to adjust to nine-a-side? I actually, I really, really like nine-a-side. It is, for me... It's all out attack. It's go, go, go. You know, the quarters or the halves as we play at Euro Cup, uh, we're in the pool of five, so we're only going to be playing 10-minute halves. So in those 10 minutes, you know, you've just got to go for it. So it's it's really my style. And what we've worked really hard to try and train the ladies up to do that we play with, uh, particularly in Nottingham, is to play in a really attacking style of football. So um, that's I absolutely love it. That's the main difference, really. 
um, is you can just absolutely go for it because the pitch is so much shorter. You know, you're down the pitch in, in two kicks, you're on goal, you know, and if you kick a decent kick and a run, you're shooting for goal. It, it's, it's really, really fun. It's a really attacking style of play. Uh, from a captain's point of view, do you actually have to approach selection differently to 9-a-side compared to 18-a-side? For example, someone may be a star 18-a-side footballer, but you look at them and go, actually, your height, your size, whatever it might be, might not suit the game plan that we have for 9-a-side. Yeah, absolutely. And what really you have to be in 9-a-side is you have to be an all-rounder. There aren't many places that where you can just be good at one thing. So in 18-a-side, you know, if you're a great body on midfielder and you bring a lot of muscle or if you're a big spoiler at the back and you break the play up, you know, nine aside, you get found out with that. You've got to have nine girls on the field who can play, you know, who can really send the ball the right direction you want it to go. You can't really carry people for just one really strong attribute. So that's another reason I love it is because it, it really makes players stand up who are sort of all-round footballers and for me, I think as developing the game over here, it helps develop ladies as all-round footballers and say, you know, you need to be good at this, this, this and this. Don't pigeonhole yourself. And, you know, we've moved on now. I think there was a time a couple of years ago when you could you could say, oh, well, I'm in there to do this. I'm in there to break the play up. I'm in there to, to put the bumps and the shepherds on to free it up for other people. But it, it, the standard of the game over here in Europe now, at nine aside, you can't be that player. You know, you're carrying a player like that. And, and I think that's what one of the, the greatest things really about playing a small-sided game is. How far has the recruitment been to get players for the England Vixens? Of course, taking the blinkers off, there's obviously uh, sides outside of the AFL London competition when we think of the Nottingham Scorpions. Uh, Sussex have got a team. Uh, and, of course, you look to the universities where you've got Cambridge and Oxford also now having women's sides. Yeah, actually, for, for the England Vixens, it tends to be, most of the ladies tend to be from outside of London. Um, you know, the London League tends to be dominated by Aussies. Um, and, and therefore, some of the clubs don't necessarily have to sort of um, really pitch it towards English girls at all and there isn't necessarily it's, it's definitely got better last year there were more clubs with more English girls on the books North London Lions continues to be one of the ones who's got you know, really good numbers and we've picked up uh, Coxie from North London Lions this year who's, who's been a great defender so I'm looking forward to seeing her play um, at the Euro Cup but yeah we've got a few of the UAB girls uh, we've got Phoebe Merrick just graduated Rhea Bartlett Tandon Rachel Mason they're all ex-University uh, of Birmingham, Birmingham ladies who, who've, uh, who've just graduated. And, of course, a couple of the Nottingham Scorpions ladies who are basically dragged around the country for the last uh, five months um, playing games, tying tees. Uh, you know, we've played the Champions League qualifiers, so they've had loads of game experience, which is going to be very, very helpful. Can you give us an idea into the turnover from last year's side compared to this year's side? Oh, blimey. So we've probably got, oh, you put me on the spot there. Let me just think off the top of my head. We've probably got in who've never represented England before. I think there are, are there seven or are there eight? So there's quite a few new ladies coming in um, who've not played before. Um, we've got we've got Zorro, who, uh, who actually has suited up for Scotland before, despite the fact that she's not actually Scottish. Um, she's actually English. So she's back where she rightly belongs now in the England squad. So it's great to have a, a back playing for the right team. Um, and we've got, like I said, the, the, the other ladies I've already mentioned. We've got Jane uh, Meadows, who's been playing, who has been playing down in the in the London League for Demons, um, who's going to be one to watch. Um, I think you, you might remember Bryony from last year. Um, unfortunately, Bryony you know, stepped back into her rugby. She plays Premiership rugby for Saracens. Um, but we've got Jane Meadows, who's going to be playing an attacking role, who's yeah, as, as much, a, if not better, a battering ram up top for us.
And you've also regained the services of Alex Salter, who, of course, missed the entire summer in England because she was here in Melbourne in winter. And uh, unfortunately, at that stage due to her injury, she was unable to actually play a game despite all that training here. I know. It was so it was best. It was so sad for her. I mean, the thing is, it was, it's, what she's done is she's gone over and she's sucked in so much information and it has been so helpful. I mean, she was she's an absolutely brilliant member of the squad, um, leader at the Nottingham Scorpions anyway, regardless of all of that. But she's come back buoyed by all of that experience. Um, really, really, really knowledgeable. And it's, it's definitely, definitely helps us out and, and playing a great game really relaxed, really composed. You know, she's a beautiful kick of the foot. She's got some serious yards on that kick she's doing now. She's all up for longest kick contest. Um, she, she's definitely one to, one to potentially win that one. Um, but it's great having her back in the team. Danny Salter's obviously back on board. So we've got the Salter sisters who combine. Um, myself and Ranya are still around. We've got Charlie Eels, um, Lou Darby, who's still in the squad from previous years. So we, we've got some of the old stalwarts. Um, still in there for the experienced heads. You know, we know how to win it. We know how the tournament can flow. Um, but it's a nice blend, which was what we we knew was going to happen. It was ready to happen. Um, the other thing as well to remember is we picked our squad back in June um, to make sure that everybody knew could get organised and we could do some real planning and training and prep work. There were ladies who've come out of the woodwork towards the end of the AFL London season um, who were around for GB in August who obviously were therefore ineligible to be picked because you know, it was too late in the day. Um, so it's going to be interesting for June next year, even though we haven't got this one done yet. I'm always looking ahead for succession planning. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be a few new faces, I would have thought, next year in the squad as well. We'll touch on that in just a moment's time. But first of all, looking towards uh, this weekend's tournament, uh, just quickly your thoughts on your rivals that you'll be playing in Pool B. Uh, you've got in there the Swedish Ravens, the Danish Valkyries, the Welsh Wyverns are playing as a standalone side for the first time. And, of course, a side set up by a former England vixen in Lisa Wilson, the German Eagles. Yeah, those German girls, they're going to be one to watch. I, I pretty much get weekly messages from Lisa Wilson telling me about which gun she's signed up and who she's got. So I think that's going to be a great team. And with her coaching and her input, the ladies are really responding well to that. She's done a great job over there. So I'm really excited to see them play. And they'll be a good side. You know, I played uh, Champions League against Hamburg Dockers, which had a number of those German girls playing for them. You know, there's some real, real talent there. And with the months of practice they've been doing, they've had friendly matches, they've played exhibition matches and stuff like that to give the girls as much match experience. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be a strong side in that group, strong side. I mean, Sweden plays some good football as well. And I know that they've been training hard from what I see on their, on their social media. Um, and I played against some of the Welsh ladies uh, in the, for, when they played for Cardiff Panthers in the Champions League qualifier a couple of weeks ago. And some of those girls are strong. Same thing, each of these teams is always attracting new ladies who potentially haven't quite made this tournament, but fingers crossed we'll make the next one. If things go as the pundits predict, it could be a rematch of last year's grand final. Yourself and the Irish, you beat the Irish last year on neutral ground in France. Do you see it as, despite being the reigning champions, a much tougher challenge this year that if you do get the Irish again in even a semi-final, let alone the grand final, you're not just up against them, you're up against their home crowd support as well? 
Yeah, it's always an advantage to have to be on your home ground, always an advantage. You've got your friends there, your family there. You know, you're most likely going to have your strongest team out because they haven't necessarily had to travel as far. But it, it, it's even sweeter, isn't it? When you go somewhere and you beat them on the home ground, it's an even sweeter victory. So that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> There's one just stoking the rivalry early, which we uh, <laughs> love over in Cork Island for this weekend. Just looking ahead just for a moment, as we mentioned, the Scottish Sirens competing again and the Welsh having their first uh, full side at the uh, Euro Cup. What does that mean for the growth in numbers from Scotland and Wales for the GB Swans, of course, as you build towards October next year for the 18-a-side European Championship? Oh, it's just brilliant. I mean, and for a long time, you ended up, it felt a little bit like you were dominated, particularly from, from the Welsh point of view. We only had a couple of Welsh girls involved for IC. Um, and it's great now to see the huge numbers that they've got and they've done their university taster session. Well, if, you know, if we can hook ladies in from that young age, you know, late teens, early 20s kind of style, that's exactly what we need. They're the kind of ladies that we need on board. Um, so from a Welsh point of view, I think you're going to see a huge increase in the number of Welsh ladies selected for GB. Um, and from a Scotland point of view as well, they've got all sorts of stuff going on up there and it's nice to see Scotland booming. I was a little bit worried about Scotland a couple of years ago um, but it's nice to see that big boom um, going up. And I think it's the, the West Lothian Eagles who are, are really pushing that one up there in Scotland at the moment. And I'll just pick up on two things for a moment. I guess uh, it's more from a Welsh point of view and the Irish point of view as well and how that uh, obviously affects England coming out of the Crosscoders camp that was held uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, including, of course, uh, uh, English woman Frankie Hocking taking part in that. And fingers crossed that she gets drafted. Um, you had Nia Jones, of course, um, a, a former soccer player and netballer um, try out, and she's been hanging out also with the Cardiff Panthers. What does that mean, particularly on, on the Britain mainland, having some someone of that profile uh, taking part in cross-coders and trying to promote the game? It's exciting. It's exciting having Frankie's a great ambassador for the game out there in Oz. She's brilliant flying the flag for GB. It'd be great if we could have someone from Wales, if Nia Jones was able to you know, get selected over there. I really, really, fingers crossed, hope she does. Could really raise the profile over here. Um, I really hope it does. It seems to work really well for Cora Staunton and the Irish ladies. Um, and Laura Jurea when she was playing for Melbourne. So I think it would be brilliant for the game if, if they could do that, um, just to give ladies an idea that actually it is a pathway, there is an option of doing this. You know, I, I'm hoping that some of those ladies are going to be featuring in uh, in the Irish squad, potentially the ladies who are involved in cross-coders. I've got a feeling that some of them might be wrapped up in cotton wool a little bit for the ones who are, who are going to be heading back over. Um, but it, it's going to be tough. The Irish team have got a... Got, you know, Irish coaching team have got some difficult decisions to make. You know, There's a lot of, of Irish ladies who've been around that squad for a long, long, long time and invested a lot of time and hours in training. So it'll be interesting to see you know, who they pick. When I played against, um, when I played against the uh, Irish team, the West Clare Waves at Champions League, you know, they're an absolutely phenomenal team, some great young talent there. And I, I really hope that some of those young girls are actually in the Irish squad for this Euro Cup as well. And just touching on the moment, and we, we spoke with Claire Cunningham from the Irish Banshees. Uh, we saw, you know, 11 uh, women who had experience in Gaelic football uh, in the Crosscoders camp, and everyone com commented on the game of the Crosscoders versus the VFLW side about the speed of the game, particularly from those Gaelic footballers. If we see these uh, women start to play more with the Banshees and more Gaelic footballers play with the Banshees, no doubt the game will get faster. Does that give a rethink to how, obviously, you recruit players for the England Vixens about maybe to sacrifice skill a little bit 
to bring in more of that speed and more of that athletic player? Oh, that's an interesting question, Peter, isn't it? And we could probably debate that for a long time about which, what's most important. And, you know, when I watched Cora Staunton play um, for in the AFIW season last season, you know, I was a big critic of her style and technique. And I, I was, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. I'm going to be really interested because there were times, I think, where athleticism gets you so far and certainly in the early development stages of this game, I think to be, I mean, if you're fast in any sport, if you're tall and fast, you tend to be pretty good at most team sports, right? Um, but I, I, I'm interested to see when that hits a limit. And I think what we've got to be careful to do is get the balance right between investing in developing the skills and looking for ladies who actually can play and, and not relying too heavily on ladies who, who who just bring the athleticism. It's important to do both for me, I, I really think. And I'm in this for the long haul here. You know, I'm thinking longer. And, and like I said, it'll be interesting to see how things pan out in this AFLW um, and to see whether people keep their original styles of how they do things, these new players, cross-coders, or whether they adopt the, the, the trusted styles that have worked and techniques that have worked for players that have played footy for a number of years. So that's a really, really, really interesting question. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I can give you a proper nailed-on answer to that one. And finally, with just a few sleeps to go before you obviously play in Cork Island, for yourself personally, how are the nerves? Yeah, I'm just really excited. It, I've, you know, I've done four or five of these now, and I'm obviously still a little bit nervous. But for me personally, this has been the best prep that I've had coming into a Euro Cup. Um, obviously, I played London League. I played all those games, came out fit and healthy out of all those. That was great fun. Um, had a very short rest over the over the August period, couple of weeks off, and the way that you know I've deliberately planned things for Scorpions um, and opportunities for the England women's to, to play as well is we've got we had loads of games. We obviously had the Champions League qualifier. We played on the first of September against the Demons in a friendly fixture for the England Vixens. We've been training every week, every Wednesday, still up in Nottingham, trying to keep the skills sharp. We've been doing additional kicks. You know, Alex Salt was back, so she's always up for a kick pretty much every night of the week. So for, for me personally going in, I'm feeling pretty relaxed, excited, usual nerves. But I'm, I think I personally am going in in the best shape and, you know, the best sharpness that I've ever been going into a Euro Cup. So I'm feeling good. Well, Laura, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best this weekend in Cork Island. Thank you very much. Thank you. And just at the end, we want to send our apologies to some of the sides partaking in the Euro Cup that we didn't get around to interviewing. Unfortunately, we simply ran out of time and we couldn't get to them, nor the teams from the AFL Asian Championships. Again, our apologies. Looking at the fixture for the AFL Europe nine-a-side Euro Cup in Cork Island this weekend in Pool A, uh, it's the Irish, the French, Croatians and Scottish. Uh, in Pool B, it's the English, the Swedes, Denmark, Welsh and German Eagles. They are rounding out the nine sides, taking part in the women's division. Great to see women's footy growing there in Europe. Now, as I leave, a reminder that the AFL Europe Night Aside Euro Cup is being streamed on the web. There'll be select women's games available to watch by just going to YouTube and looking for Bar TV Sports. They are streaming those games. Keep an eye out for it. Uh, 6 p.m. Uh, local time in Cork Island is when the women's grand final is being played. So obviously check your local guides.
I'm Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company. Before I go, if you do listen to this radio program as its podcast version, would sincerely appreciate it if you can get along to Apple Podcasts, otherwise known as iTunes, and give us a rating. We don't have that many reviews, so we'd appreciate anything from one star to five stars just to let us know how we're going and obviously what you enjoy about the show and what we can improve on as well. Coming up on next week's program, it's part two of our Road to the AFLW Draft Specials presented by AFL Draft Central on that occasion we'll be looking at the Victorian teams and who they might be drafting. It will be a special two-hour episode and it will go to air first next Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, Digital Radio Melbourne, the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au and then it will be available the following Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until then, thanks very much for your company and it's bye for now.